At the risk of, uh, of sounding a, a bit melodramatic today, or maybe even a little bit paranoid, I'm concerned for our future. And I don't want to be sounding the alarm, but the fact is that our churches, our families, our world needs great fathers. Now, let me say at the outset that since someone is going to misconstrue my words, I need to say this, I guess. I'm not talking here about chauvinism. I'm not talking about patriarchy in the form of male rule or male dominance. I'm not talking about something stereotypically Hollywood, a caricature of about what fathers seem to be sometimes. I'm not talking about something that takes, uh, where a person takes advantage of his position in his family, who will not act cooperatively, who insists on doing everything or making all the decisions for himself, who stands aloof, or certainly not at anything that comes even close to abuse. I'm not talking about any of those things. I'm not talking about the exclusive right to make decisions. I'm not talking about self-centeredness. I'm not talking about some guy who attempts to improve his self-esteem or make up the deficiencies in his own life by asserting himself as the Lord of his own family. And sometimes guys have done that. There's no room for rudeness. There's no room for uncontrolled anger. Anything less than love shown at every turn within the family. We don't need those things. Fathers need to be gentlemen. I am talking, however, about fathers acting responsibly in light of the role that God gave to them when they became fathers. And today I want to say something about that role. And I'd like to pray before we uh, get into this, okay? Let's pray. Father, I would pray that today you would work on the hearts of those here who have the role of father. And whether their kids are grown and out of the house or their kids are just wee ones, maybe even still in the womb. Father, I would pray today that you would bless them. God, I would pray that you'd bless them with wisdom and with strength, with hearts that are completely devoted to you. Father, help them to give themselves completely to you in every way. Help them to give themselves to you in prayer. Help them to give themselves to you in the word. Help them to give themselves to you in service. And Father, we pray that you would mold and shape fathers because they're so key in molding and shaping those who come after them. So be with those, Father, today who are fathers. Strengthen them and bless them in every way through your spirit, we pray. Amen. First, today, I want to talk about legacy. We will leave a legacy, whether we want to or not. Some parts of what we leave as legacies, we leave unconsciously. This week, I was in the process of dismantling a 40-year-old camper, a truck camper. To most people who would see it in our backyard, and for those of you who've been to our house and you've seen it in the backyard, my wife thought it was an eyesore. And it's been there for nine years now. We also had it with us in Texas for a while. My wife despised it in one sense, but only in one sense. It had lost its uh, shine. And 
she is exactly right about the status that that camper was. It, it, needed, it needs to be dismantled. I'm in the process. But in the process of dismantling this camper, I could not help but think about what it meant. In the mid-70s, my father-in-law was building that camper in his garage. I remember that when Robin and I started dating, that he was building it in the garage. And when he was building it, I don't think that he thought at the time about his legacy. I don't think he thought, I'm building this camper and someday my son-in-law is going to have it and it's going to mean a lot to him. I don't think he was thinking those things. He was building it, however, for himself and for his family. And so that camper, although it's just now some old sheet metal and some old plywood and some mold... Represents legacy because it does represent family. And I remember how our family would borrow his camper when our kids were little, and we'd go camping all over the West Coast, taking his camper, which he freely lent to us. And as our kids grew up, they knew whose camper this was. They knew it was Grandpa who let us have it, and sometimes they would, of course, go with us. And family was built around that old camper. The camper also means to me the first hunting trip that I took with my grown sons now when we moved back to Alberta, back to Canada. It was minus 22 for almost that whole trip. And it was cold in that camper. I will always remember waking up one morning and the outside shell of my sleeping bag was frozen to the wall on the inside. All the water inside was frozen. It wasn't built. It wasn't insulated that way. Sometimes I wish that would have been some of the legacy, that it would have been insulated. Well, he didn't think about those things, but indeed, they still mean a great deal to me. And so, it's with some sadness that I've been taking apart this camper. Not only because I wanted to keep it and preserve it and still use it, but because it means a lot to me. Dad didn't just build a camper. He helped to build lives. And that's what we do. And then, this happened just yesterday. I was working on taking this camper apart, and at one point there were some nuts and bolts uh, holding the camper jack on, and I had to kind of undo these. And as I was undoing this one nut, I, I was standing like this, and I was starting to undo this nut, and all of a sudden it just hit me like, boom, I looked at my hand and I thought, it's my dad's hand that is undoing this bolt. Because my hands are my dad's hands. And I can remember like yesterday, even though he died in 1978, I remember what his hands looked like. And they looked like this. And he didn't mean to leave me that legacy, but he left me his hands. And dad had a way of standing with his hands on his hips. And sometimes I find myself standing like that. And he, Robin's mentioned this to me before, he would cock his head to the side sometimes when he was talking to people. And I do the same thing. In fact, his grandson does the same thing. He didn't, 
intentionally create his hands. He didn't choose to cock his head a certain way. He didn't intentionally stand with his hands on his hips. But these things were bequeathed to me. And I I adopted them as easily as I did his attractive hairstyle. We need to recognize that we all leave a legacy even in ways that we never intended. And so, gentlemen, watch yourselves closely because someone is watching you. And even if they aren't watching you, even if it's not the things that they specifically see, they will pick up things that will become part of their lives. And make no mistake, they will pick up both the good and they will pick up the bad. And so we need to be careful. Fathers will leave their legacy. Great fathers will leave a great legacy. Will you leave a great legacy? I pray you do. Well, fathers don't just leave legacies. Fathers also lead. In fact, I would say that there are some things about our legacies which we can intentionally control. And it's at this point when we move from legacy to leadership. Some parts of our legacies are unconscious and they're unintentional, but some parts are very intentional. And I would say that our leading needs to be intentional. The way that we lead our families then becomes part of our impact and also part of our legacies. Now, let me say again, since I'm talking about specifically leadership on the part of males, just because I'm using the word leadership here to describe what fathers need to do in their families, I'm not talking about them being autocrats. The leadership a father provides is not isolated. It's not lone. It's not single. He's not the single leader. It's supposed to be cooperative, loving, sharing, participatory. He needs to have an impact in his family that is equal with that of his wife so that the two of them form a team together that leads the family. But, and I think this is huge, he cannot just turn over his role and his share of leadership in the family to his wife, as so often happens. He needs to take whatever leadership responsibilities are his and not just leave them to others. And some do. And so we need instead to participate in leadership and serve and honor in that way. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. You remember Jesus was in the garden and he says to his own father, not my will, but yours be done. And then the father ends up actually doing his own will. This is interesting. He chooses to do his own will and he allows his son to die. And there's a sense in which the father was leading the son where the son didn't even want to go. Let this cup pass from me if it's your will, he says, because he doesn't really want to have to go there. But then the father's love for humankind and what the father is leads the son down this path to death. And the father really does lead him there. And the father does the father's will. 
And the fact is, this is their relationship throughout the life of the son. It was one, in fact, the Bible says, that was foreordained from the beginning of time. The father sends the son, commissions the son, leads the son, and he always knew he would. And the son follows, and he always knew he would. The priorities the father sets become the sons in eternity. The concerns of the father become the sons in eternity. There are many ways in which we need to be the kind of father that our Heavenly Father is and intentionally lead in that way and intentionally lead our sons and our daughters. And so we need to allow leadership to take place. We need to be the kind of leaders God wants us to be and we need to let that become our legacy. Well, here are some ways in which I think that we as fathers need to lead. First, I think we need to do it with intentionality. We need to lead and father intentionally. And so read books on parenting, watch videos, talk to other fathers, plan to father well. And I've I've told you before, I remember so clearly, even before my first child was born, when Robin's child was still, our child was still growing in the womb, how I started paying attention to what James Dobson had to say, because at that time he was the guru on families for Christians. And so we read all the books and we watched all the videos and we paid attention to what Dobson had to say. And if Dobson was wrong, then all the problems my kids have are his. But we need somehow to learn to be better fathers and lead with intentionality. Don't leave something as important as being a father just happen spontaneously. Learn what it means to be a father. Secondly, lead your family's priorities. I'm just, my notes are different here than this. It should be, F, just for those grammar geeks out there, should be a different families there, okay? Miles, I know you're sque- squeamish on the inside when you see that. Lead your family's priorities. Lead them to love God first, to do his will first of all. If prayer and study are not a priority for you, there's a very good chance that prayer and study are not going to be priorities in your family. If sacrificial service is not a priority for you, there is a good chance it won't be for your family. Live a God-centered life and leave no room for compromise. And let me tell you, that takes courage and that takes effort It takes intentionality, but it's crucial. Lead your family's priorities and work hard at it. Third thing, we hear this so much, but it's so true. Give your family your time and attention. Giving your time is overtly relational. When you give your time to somebody else, it is overtly relational. They notice. And your kids will notice. And when you don't give them your time, they will notice. And so I remember when when I was in ministry for the first, uh, whatever, many years, forever, I never took a regular day off. You know, a lot of ministers will take a month, they'll take Monday off or whatever, a weekday. And I never did that. And there was one main reason why I didn't. 
It was so that I could spend my time with my kids when I wanted to. It was so that I could say to the church, I don't take a regular day off, but when I'm going to take time for my family and for my children, I'm taking it. And so at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it was very common for me to go and pick up kids from school. I picked up kids from school forever. And it was very common for me to go to an athletic practice and start holding baseball practices right after school so that I could be with my kids. And a lot of times, lots of times, I was the only father there at the football practice standing on the sidelines watching the practice. I made sure that I was there. And I think it was crucial. And so 14 years I coached baseball, and I have to admit, I loved it. But why did I coach baseball for 14 years? It was so that I could be with my kids. We need to be willing to take the time, somehow find the time to be with your families. I never, ever have regretted or apologized for spending time with my family. Never. And there's not that many things in life that you can say that about. But it's true. Show consistency in modeling and expectation. There's nothing that destroys the impact of a leader, a teacher, a mentor, or a parent than inconsistency. Inconsistency in your own example, inconsistency in your expectations about what you want from your kids, it just is, it just is so damaging. And we need to communicate our consistent expectations. Some people model great behavior, but they never talk about their expectations with their kids. And we need to talk about our expectations with our kids so that they can follow suit. Model it and talk about it. Tell them why you live a certain way. Use those teaching moments Tell them why you make the choices that you've made. And it'll go a long way toward your consistency. The fifth thing. Possess an attitude of sacrificial service. There was a family uh, that we worked with in California when I was a youth minister named the Jenkins. Kelly and Becky Jenkins. And they had, I can't remember how many kids, a bunch. And almost every one of those children had kidney problems, like severe kidney problems. And they ended up losing some children because of the kidney problems. Like Lewis Jenkins was in the youth group when I was a youth minister, and Lewis eventually, within three or four years after I was out of youth ministry, he died due to to kidney problems. Well, his father, Kelly, gave one of his kidneys to his daughter so that she could live. But he knew when he gave his kidney that there was the potential for he himself to have kidney problems because everybody else did. And he did indeed develop problems with his own one kidney, and he died. But sometimes that's what it means to be a father, to give yourself sacrificially to your children. And we need to possess that kind of attitude, an attitude of sacrificial service to our families. I said a moment ago something about how I don't want to talk about leadership in 
as some kind of autocratic thing. It's hard to be autocratic in your leadership. It's hard to be abusive when you have an attitude of sacrificial service. And then overtly communicate your love and care. I think it's interesting that in Matthew 3.17, listen, listen to these words. You know these words well, but these, this is where Jesus is baptized. And the specific words from the text say this. This is my son whom I love. In him I am well pleased. Why is the line in there, whom I love? I don't think it was just for the people that were standing there. I think there was something within the father that wanted to communicate to his son how proud he was of him. How much he loved him. And so for all time, it's recorded God saying to his son, whom I love and in him I am well pleased. So we have example there of God overtly saying how much he loved those whom he loved. And I know for some fathers, this doesn't come as easily as it does for others. And I'm convinced that we need to to swallow that and get it out there and tell them often and mean it every time how much we love our kids and our family. I've told you before about the time when I was sitting in my office and I was just sitting there feeling like I really wanted to call Megan and tell her how much I loved her. So I called her. I, she was down in her basement at home and I called her and I just, I, I phoned her. I said, Meg, I'm just calling to tell you how much I love you and how proud I am of you. You know, you're just a wonderful daughter. I just love you so much. And there was kind of a moment of silence. And she said, Dad, that's huge. And I started crying. I thought, she gets it. This, this is wonderful. I, I wanted to call her and tell, him, tell her how much I loved her and how great she is and how she totally, she's totally getting it. And then she finished her thought and she says, Dad, it's huge. The spider in my room is huge. <laughs> so that, that didn't go quite like I'd planned. But here's the thing. What's cool is this. Like I've told that story to you once before. I tell it now. still gets the laughs. But I get to tell that story. And in the process of telling the story, I get to tell you not just about the spider, but I get to tell you that I called my daughter to tell her how much I loved her. And, and in telling the story this morning, I get to say it to her again. Because she hears again that I love her. And that story gets repeated in our family. So we tell that story, and, it, and yes, it's funny, but we tell the story because at the basis is, I want to tell my daughter how much I love her. And that's what we need to do. And so the idea that we, they'll just know is, in my mind, not good enough. I don't want them to just know. I want to show them and I want to tell them and I want to tell them often and I want it to mean everything every time. 
I know we have different love languages. We show it in different ways. But I'm thinking that telling each other that we love each other is one that, that means something to all of us. So we need to say it. Well, those are some things that I think are important in terms of being fathers. And I pray that for those of you who are, that that somehow blesses you. I pray that God uses these things and this day and, uh, and both honors and blesses you on Father's Day. I'm going to lead us in prayer. Um, after the song today, Steve has a special announcement. So after we sing, if you just be seated, and Steve's going to come up and make an announcement, okay? Let's pray. Holy Father, I praise you and glorify you today for being my father, for watching over me. Thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for giving us fathers. Father, for those who are our fathers today, bless them in every possible way. Most of all, help them be completely devoted with all of their hearts, all their lives to you. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.